I'm Brady Pierce, I'm 13 years old, and I go to Crossroads School, and I'm in 8th grade. I'm Savannah Lawrence, um, I'm 13 years old, I go to Ramona Middle School, and I'm in 8th grade. I'm involved in the junior high ministry, and also in my school, which I consider a ministry is reaching out to people. I like to play sports, I play softball, soccer, and volleyball. I do a Bible study partnered with one of my friends at school. I'm really interactive in church activities. I like to, I volunteer every Sunday with um, preschoolers. And we also set up the cones at six o'clock every Monday where we just pick up cones and set up in a huge line just to make sure that uh, kids and parents are safe when they're dropping their kids off. I'm in drama at my school and I just like to be interactive with people. When I found out I was pregnant, um, I was in shock. I was terrified. I think I probably took three or four pregnancy tests. I was ashamed. I didn't think um, I would ever be pregnant at 18. I was really worried about my family, uh, their reputation, and how we would be seen and viewed but I knew if it was true that I needed help and support. The morning after finding out that I was pregnant and talking to my parents, I woke up and went to Living Well Medical Clinic, which is where Pam worked at the time. The very next morning, I got in the car, ditched my college classes, and headed over to Living Well, because I knew Pam was going to be there. And Pam was there for me and gave me uh, a pregnancy test to verify for sure. I was pregnant. I cried. She cried and hugged me and I just said, what do I do now? What do I do? And um, she said, well, first let's pray and um, ask God to just really guide your steps in the next few days because you've got a lot of um, decisions and things that you need to make. And as soon as we got a positive, she asked me, what, what was I thinking? Where was I, where was I going? She helped me um, take the next steps to tell my family. Um, I ended up telling the um, biological father, who uh, in turn immediately did not react well and said, you need to terminate this pregnancy. I don't want to be involved. Again, fear. Uh, I felt alone. I didn't know what to do. Um, but I definitely know that Pam's advice and Pam's prayer for me definitely helped me make the decision that I made. Pam was like a foundation of love, of information, of security for me and for my family, that we could be, we were gonna be okay. We were gonna make it through. After telling my family and telling uh, the biological father, I, I still was sort of shocked and, and confused and upset. And uh, one verse I remember that just really came through um, onto my heart, and just to this day I have memorized it, and it's Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. And I knew that if I made the right choice and honored God, that He was going to see me through this and make sure that uh, 
everything was going to be okay. Savannah's been a blessing to my life. Um, my life would definitely be different. I don't think my walk with the Lord would be as close as it is now um, had it not been for these things that have happened to me. I could never have known how Brady was going to affect my life and touch my life. And I never would have known or guessed how God was going to use him to work in the lives of others. Wow. And uh, we got to watch that a couple times now, but you're already crying again. And uh, so what do you think? How do you feel when you watch? I mean, we love Summer and, and Summer and, and uh, Savannah and Gracia are in this service right now with us. And we love Jennifer and Brady and, and Daisy and all that. But how does it make you feel? It just makes me know we have a great big God that just loves me. And it, it's amazing. And it is. It really is. Well, today what we want to talk about is the crucible, and we want to talk about what happens when you go into a crucible. It's a place where, where metal is heated up and impurity is taken out, but we can end up there for a lot of reasons, but one reason is because of what we've done. When we have sinned, when we have not been who we should be, and um, I've watched Pam allow herself to be used by God because she's been willing to get in those moments and say, okay, it's not easy and it's not comfortable, but I want to do this. So... The bottom line, I think, Pam, right now is a lot of people here probably don't know our story. They don't know that dark moment in our life. And, and so um, would you share with them? Yeah. Um, Chuck and I are high school sweethearts, which is fun. We went to Corona High. And um, <laughs> yes, and he was a Christian when I met him. I was not. And so my mom wouldn't let me go to his church. And so I led him astray. She's the evil woman. I want to be that clear. She's the evil woman. Okay. And he does call me the evil woman, but, <laughs> but through that, um, we did get involved sexually and I did end up getting pregnant in my senior year. And, um, that was devastating to me. And, um, one of the things, it wasn't the pro-life movement. There was no pro-life movement back then. And so I went and I talked to a counselor and just the options were, I had my whole life ahead of me. You really, really need to have the abortion. It's your senior year. You need to go on with your life. You have your whole future ahead of you. And so I listened and I opted to have the abortion. And I remember going in to have it but I remember waking up with a piece of my heart gone. And it was so painful and so empty. And I couldn't change my mind. I couldn't go back in time. And it hurt so bad. I didn't know what to do. And um, I've shared with some of you before that, uh, well, two things. One is we never, we never would make an excuse or say that what we did was right. I mean, now today more than ever, God has showed us that it was wrong. Um, but I want to say this, not making excuses for us, but the, the pro-abortion side lies. They still lie today. And, and when we try to bring truth about this subject out, we're seen as evil and attacked. But I just want to be as clear as I can that 
You know, Pam was told, I sat there as they lied to her. They didn't talk about what was going to happen. They didn't let her know how she was going to feel. They didn't, they, they just painted this rosy picture. And uh, the girl that I dropped off at the clinic that day and the girl I picked up was completely different. And it wasn't going to change in a week and it wasn't going to change in a month. Um, she was the shell of a person that she was. Isn't that right? Oh, yes. I know I was different when I left the clinic. I didn't care anymore. I really didn't. It was my senior year. And, you know, in your senior year, you do all the fun things that you look forward to in your senior year. And I didn't care. I didn't want to get up to go to school. I just, I didn't even want to get out of bed. I really, really didn't care. And then I heard about the love of Jesus. I knew I needed to do something. And I honestly thought, but he couldn't love me not after what I had done. But I listened more and more and more. And I know I was loved on because of the Holy Spirit and Jesus was right there. And because of that, I thought, okay, I'm gonna step out in faith and I am going to give my whole life to Jesus because I needed something different. I needed hope. So I did, but at the same time, I buried the fact that I had had the abortion. I didn't talk about it. I didn't want to embarrass God. I didn't want anybody to know what I had been through. And so I buried it, and it took me four years for me to actually come to grips with having had an abortion. I was learning about what it was. Chuck was coming home from school. He was in school and telling me what it was. And I was, my heart hurt every time, and I knew I needed to hear it. But I knew that God was calling me to just talk about it openly and admit it. Yeah, I, um, I was sitting at Hope University and they did a presentation and when they started telling what the truth was, I sat there and I was devastated uh, what we had done. And I thought I've got to go home and tell Pam. We were married then, we were doing ministry. And uh, I'll never forget this. I, I, got, I had some pamphlets and I sat in the car and started crying. I thought, God, I don't know how to tell her. I don't know how to show this to her. I, I, and um, I'll never forget that day when I walked in and I said, hey, we got to talk. And we sat down and then she cried and cried and cried. But I know this, that was the beginning of the healing. Oh, it was. I think because God was working on my heart so much that as I started talking about it and really listening to what God was teaching me, I became freer and freer and the burden was getting lifted but at the same time, I knew God was calling me to share to everybody. And you know how much I love that. <laughs> but I did it. And you know what? It was just one more thing lifted off my shoulders. I didn't feel like I had to hide anymore. I honestly felt I could be honest with who I was and who God created me to be. Yeah, and one of the things we're going to talk about today a little bit is this, is that the only way to destroy the power of darkness is to bring it into the light. I want you to think about that. The only way to eradicate the power of darkness that has hold on you is you got to put it all in the light. That means all the truth, no hiding, and no pretending. You know, we get real good at pretending, like putting on this show like things are okay or we've never sinned. Well, guess what? Uh, in our life, the Lord certainly hasn't let that happen. And when God told Pam she had to share, it wasn't just one, one or two people. It was in front of lots of people. But that was the beginning of the healing. When we got honest and we didn't make excuses and we didn't justify ourselves, 
And we said, okay, look, you, you know, maybe you'll never love us again, but we're going to tell the truth, right? Oh, amen. And honestly, that was one of the fears is that we were going to be rejected. And, and I didn't want that. But at the same time, I knew God was calling me to do this, not knowing the reaction, but to help people not go through the pain and that hurt in your heart is so worth sharing everything because God calls us to. There's no life greater than doing what God calls you to do. The freedom, the joy, and the peace that you get because you do what God tells you to do. We um, ended up coming on staff here as youth pastors in the 80s. And back then, the church was having to wrestle through what we're going to do with the situation. And uh, Tim Coop said, we're going to take a stand. Uh, but we can't take a stand if we don't tell the truth. And he asked me, he said, will Pam be willing to tell her story? Now, you need to understand, it was tense back then. It's not like today. And, but Tim was committed to radical grace. And uh, so what happened is, is he had personally asked you to share, didn't he? Yes, he did. And those of you that do know Tim Coop, you can't say no to Tim. <laughs> but he did it in such a way that I knew that it was what God was calling to. Now, mind you, I've never shared with adults before. I've only shared with youth because we were in youth ministry. So for me to share in big church was probably the scariest thing I'd ever done in my life. And what I want to tell you happened is um, that this was before email. We got letters uh, attacking Pam before she ever got to share. We got notes attacking Pam. People saying if they were going to... if. If a person like that was going to be in our church, they weren't sure if they wanted to be in our church anymore. We got mean-spirited phone calls. And uh, Tim kept saying, no, you're going to share anyway. You're going to share anyway. We're, the only way to do this is we got to bring this out. And that night, we, the place was packed. It was packed. And I remember watching Pam. And Tim says this. She walked out and sat on a stool in front of a lot of people who weren't happy and a lot more who were just praying for us. And the minute you ended, do you remember what happened? No. Okay. <laughs> well, what do you think would happen at Crossroads Church? They loved Pam to death. It was a standing ovation. The church surrounded her. We couldn't leave because of people wanting to hug her because that's who Crossroads is. I love this church because yes. of that. Yes, yes. And a lot of people were set free. Yes. Yeah. And that's always been who we are, and we just want to stay that way. Um, you know, what, what happened then is God began to call you to actually now go a step further in your ministry, which is to take your story and to take your, your struggle and to take your healing and to share that with other women who are going through the same thing. Yes, I got to do that in, um, not just in youth ministry, but I got to actually work with TLC back in the days and then uh, Living Well Medical Clinic as um, Summer and Jen shared. And honestly, that was life-changing for me as well, to be able to share my story and to help make a difference in someone's life was freeing and healing. But to know that God was using me, little old me, to help share his love and his heart and his grace to these women was so life-changing for me. Yeah, and you know, uh, today, by the way, TLC turned into Corona Life Services, which is out here today. We love their ministry and love for you to hear more about it. But, but not, what else has happened? And I know this is one of those things where God said, look, I'm gonna take your hurt. I'm gonna take your pain. I'm gonna take your willingness to be honest. 
and, and transparent, and I'm going to use that to touch the lives of others. And so now we have Savannah and Brady as a part of that story. Oh, and I just love them. And honestly, getting to see Jen and Summer uh, go through this together and watching Brady and Savannah when they were little babies grow up together and just being a part of watching lives be changed and babies grow up is so amazing. God is so big and so amazing. Yeah. God has used Pam to literally minister to girls in, in that situation. And, and, and it would be fair to say and accurate to say that hundreds and hundreds of children were given life because of that. Um, something else you need to know, though, is she's also been there for women who, who sin the way we sinned. And she's been there to help them find God's love, mercy, and healing too, right? Oh, yeah. It's amazing the women that can be set free. And if you're out here... Just know you don't have to carry this or any sin or any burden that you're carrying. Honestly, God wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. But you have to talk about it. You have to let it out and, and be known. And there are ministries that help. But seriously, the first step is just admitting and telling someone that you need help. God is there. He wants to give you the peace. He wants to give you the joy that he has for you. That's who he created you to be. And uh, one of the other things we wanted to share today is this, is that that, I'm going back now, after the abortion and the hurt and the pain and the emptiness, and you actually say void, there was this big void in you. Tell what happened. What, what, now you've got this big void and what happened out of that? How you came to know the Lord. Oh. <laughs> I, I came to church and... Um, and Tim Coop just really shared with me and, and loved on me. And honestly, I didn't think it could be for me because of what I had done. And so I did. I stepped out. And honestly, back then they did, um, they did the altar call, but you got baptized right away. And I was fighting and wrestling with God. And so in those days, nobody curled their hair or wore nylons. And so I woke up that morning thinking, God, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So I wore nylons. I put makeup on, and I curled my hair. But you know what? The Holy Spirit called me, and I was like running down because I needed God desperately bad. Yeah, and she, we were together, but she literally ran from me, and, and I saw that. Well, there's something in our life that's become an illustration of what we're talking about, and I hope this touches you, uh, but it has to do with this. Uh, Pam at one time collected precious moments and loved them, and uh, this is the empty tomb, but tell why this is an extra this, special one. Yeah, this is the empty tomb, which is why Jesus died. He's alive. He's not dead. He's gone from the tomb, and it's just a reminder to me that I am not perfect, but it's also a reminder to me that nobody's perfect. <laughs> Tim, when he was in junior high, was playing ball in the house and knocked the head off. But I didn't know it because one day I was cleaning and as I moved the statue, the head rolled off onto the floor. So I just take the head and I go to both the boys, okay, does anyone have something to tell me? <laughs> Both of them 
said, no, no. <laughs> well, it was a few years later that Tim had admitted that he was playing ball in the house and knocked the head off. Now, I know I could have fixed it. I know superglue could have fixed it. And in my mind, I'm thinking, why didn't Tim fix it? I would never have known. I don't know. <laughs> but this really is a reminder to me of how imperfect I am, how imperfect our kids are. And we need God's love. All of us need it. The tomb is empty. He's alive. He wants to be in our hearts. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so believe it or not, this is more valuable to us broken than fixed because it's a reminder. And Tim today is a, an amazing man of God and, and great father and husband and, and those things. Um, you know, I, I just want to make sure I say this in, uh, in front of our church family to you. But Pam has been willing to take all her imperfections and pains and put them in the hands of God. And God has molded her. God has used her. And uh, I really mean this when I say, I, I mean, I love, I love you. Oh, I love you. But I want to also tell you, I honestly have never met anyone more committed to the Lord, more in love with the Lord, more of an incredible woman of God than you. That's who you are. You're the most beautiful thing to me I can imagine because of that. You really are. Thank you. I love you. I love you. Yeah. If you've got your Bibles, get ready to follow along. I want to talk with you about this whole idea of God taking our brokenness and our pain and putting into the crucible with us and letting him put his hands upon us and literally molding that into something precious. Uh, this isn't in your verses today. Romans 8, 28 says, for God causes all things, not some, all things to work together for good for those who love him and live their life according to his purpose. Now, that means you're gonna mess up at times. It means you're gonna have uh, times that you sin, but he's never gonna let go of you. 1 Peter 5.10 says, after you have suffered for a while, there, there's some consequences. There's suffering that comes from times like that. The God of all grace, and don't miss that line. That's who he is. The God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, he'll personally do it. We're going to get talk about the personal nature of God with you and me. Will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, we end up in the crucible sometimes because we live in an evil world and we get attacked. We end up in the crucible sometimes because we stand for our convictions. Maybe we might end up there because God said it's better now for you to be stretched and tested. But sometimes I end up there and you end up there and Pam ended up there because we have done something horrible. The word sin means to miss the mark. It means to not be who you were supposed to be or to not have done what you should have done. Or, or it, it's the whole idea when you're doing things you were never made to do. And very often, it's not just something minor. It turns into something major and heartbreaking and tragic. But that's what God says. He says, I want you to know that the God of all grace is there for you who comforts you in any affliction, who now can take even that and make you better because of it. That's what gets amazing about it is that this grace of God comes even when we've been at our worst and cleanses us and perfects us and changes us and does amazing things. Now, you might even say, but 
Man, what you guys did, what you and Pam did was horrible. And you'd be right. You, you couldn't be more right. You might look in the mirror and say, what I've done, when you talk about you, what I have done has been horrible. Chuck, you have no idea the gravity and the depth of the sin that I've committed, the darkness, the evil. But I want to tell you this is where sin abounds. Do you know what the Bible says? Grace abounds more. Uh, first Peter, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 5, Romans 5, 20 and 21 says the law came in so that transgression would increase. Now, here's what that's saying. The truth of God came so you and I would be more aware than ever at the horrible things that's happened in our life, how bad we've been. And it says, but where, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. See, I can promise you this. There's not one of you who will ever sit with me or sit with Pam and will look at you and say, how could you? We won't look at you and cast stones. I'm not going to ever judge you. I, I mean, with what we've done, but I can tell you this, God couldn't love you more than he does. God could not care about you more than he does. God never will run from you. He'll run to you. And the God, the God of all grace, will cause grace to abound in ways you can't imagine. And here, I want to say this. The greater the sin you've committed, the more power that God will exert into your life to make your life beautiful and incredible and wonderful. And you've never done anything. You've never done anything that is more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you and can forgive you completely. That's what I want you to know. And by the way, that's not just for you. It's for a family member you're craving to see come to know God's love. It's for friends that you wish would come back. By the way, you ready for this? For all of us, it's for our enemies too. That God would actually use us at times to reach out and love them in the name of Jesus so they'd be brought back. And it says this in verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace reigned through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God says, I want you to know that, that his grace comes to reign in your life, to do amazing things in your life, to be the definition of your life. I've had it stated at different times, and by the way, I, I, not all that long ago, just a while back, where um, what happens is, is we're a church that really believes in restoration. We believe this grace of God is real. We believe the love of God is unconditional, unfailing. And um, because of that, we will do anything we can to help people be restored in their life and come to know the love of Christ. And let me say this, don't miss this, restoration is about true restoration. And it happens at times when we restore somebody that people react negatively. And I've heard this phrase more than once. Again, I heard it just recently. How dare they show their face here after what they've done? We had someone restored and, and, and it's an amazing thing. And, and someone stated, how dare they show their face? And I looked at him and thought, please don't go there. Please don't let that be who you are. Because you know what? Where else should someone show their face than in a church? Right? <laughs> this is where we want them to come. And you might say, well, they don't deserve it. Well, none of us deserve it. Uh, I certainly don't deserve it. Do, do I deserve to be a pastor of a church this incredible? No. 
And uh, there's no, this is the grace of God. And none of it, we don't come here because we deserve it. And we don't come here because we earn it. We come here because Jesus Christ paid a price on the cross that redeemed and changed us completely. Uh, we're going to be studying, uh, next week I'm going to start us through a study on the seven sayings of the cross, then we're going to follow that by a verse-by-verse study through the book of Ephesians. But I want to read from Ephesians right now. Uh, if you ask what is the central theme of Ephesians, it's actually found in Ephesians 2.4, and it's this. But God being rich in mercy because, now why is God rich in mercy? Because of his great love with which he loved us. Because of this great love of God with which he loved us. That he just bestows mercy and grace upon you and me. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Verse 7. So that. Why did he do it? So that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. He wants to bestow mercy and grace, and then he wants to show surpassing kindness to us. And then it goes on to say this in verse eight, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves. You didn't deserve it, I don't earn it. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one would boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Now, now here's where we're going right now. Just think about this with me. It's because of God's great love, which he loves us, why we come. God loves you. Even when you're at your worst, God could not love you more than he does. I, even when you've blown it in a way that's sad and horrible, I want to say this, God couldn't love you more than he does. But what do we need to do? We need to just get honest about it. Not pretend. Go to a God who would love you with everything you have and and worship him in spirit and in truth. Move into the light of God so we could experience that. That's what he wants us to do. And then we have a ministry that comes out that God prepared before the foundation of the world that we would share that kind of love with other people. I want you to think about this with me. Everybody's emotions are different, but I want to tell you something that I, I maybe resonates with you and that's that cross right there. When I walk in and I look at that cross, and by the way, for us at Crossroads, that might be an extra emotional cross because it was on a Palm Sunday. We raised it for the first time. And I was crying. A lot of us were crying and we just said, we can't ever let it go away. Let's mount it right there. And uh, when I walk in and see that cross, I think of love and comfort and hope. Uh, A while back, I was uh, going through one of those tough periods we go through. I just came in this building and sat and looked at that. I'm not praying to the cross. I know what it means to me though. And I just felt like, God, you know what? Victory, hope, love, that's what that symbolizes. Now, why am I saying that? Because almost all of you in here know that that cross originally, or the original crosses that were made, were actually the cruelest form of torture ever invented by man. It was used for capital punishment. We're going to talk about it more during the seven sayings. But it was used to create such pain that literally the whole time a person was dying, they were constantly in in the most worst, torturous pain imaginable. It was the most, like we, today we do capital punishment in the United States, but we try to do it in a painless way. This was done purposely in a painful way. And yet something that horrible now is something that beautiful. Because the God of all grace transformed the cross from something horrible into something gorgeous and comforting. Now, now I want you to think about it. 
Hey, we just had Valentine's Day. Could you imagine, guys, if you said to your wife, I went to the jeweler and I had something made just to give you comfort and hope and to show how much I love you, and she opened it up and it was a hangman's noose. Honey, wear that around your neck and think of me. You think your friends would walk out going, oh, whenever I see that hangman's noose, man, comfort. No. What if it was a, a, a hypodermic needle that just symbolized lethal injection? Honey, this is about our relationship together. A little electric chair that's shocked at time, you know. Now, do you see where we're going here? The cross was an implement of capital punishment but God did something. He took something that horrible and transformed it into something that incredible. Uh, Calvary. I don't know how you feel about Calvary. I love the name. I love the word Calvary. There are certain things you hear that you just go, oh. Someone says, oh, thank you. It's like, oh, that feels good. I love you. That sounds good. Pam looks at me and says, you know what? You're the handsomest man who's going to preach on that stage this morning. You know, ah, you know what, it, 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 the word Calvary, I, I don't, but do you know what Calvary means? It means the place of the skull. But why is it beautiful? Because of what God did on Calvary. What Jesus, here's my point. So God then takes my life and your life and the sin in it, and he touches it in such a way that believe it or not, that becomes something beautiful. That's who God is. Now, that means that burden you might be carrying today, if you let God touch you, he'll not only take the burden off of you, he'll start to transform your life into something amazing. That's what happens to us. And where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Let me ask you a question. Why was this church packed last week? Is it because all of you love metal music? Is that why? Did you all go, man, there's a metal guy here and hey, you know, we're gonna, you know, is that why you came? No, because we knew it was a story of amazing grace. Why will we pack out when Michael Francis comes back? Michael's coming back. Did you know that? And um, is it because this church just loves the mafia? No, it's because we love the story of amazing grace. See, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And that's who God is. And that's what he does. And that's why you get excited about it. And then grab what it says in 2 Corinthians 1.3. It says this. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all mercy, and the God of all comfort. Verse, th- verse four, who comforts us in our affliction so we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's what he does. He comforts you and me so we will comfort others. He, he does that to us. And you get a picture of who God is. He's the God of all comfort. Uh, our twin granddaughters are out from Syracuse along with my son and daughter-in-law and and we're having a blast with them. And then we had a big family day yesterday and we went to downtown Claremont. And, and so we're walking around and doing stuff. And Liam, our two-year-old grandson, uh, man, I love that boy. Uh, he's too, he, he, he talks away, but he, nobody can understand what he's saying. And, and he's super enthusiastic, <clears throat> but he has an ear infection and he's not feeling good. And we're walking the street and the temperature's starting to drop. And he reaches up for me and I pick him up in my arms to carry him and I'm walking and a breeze starts to hit us. And he looked at me and he pointed his ear and he goes, ouch. Yeah, that's, oh. And I looked at him and I just started hugging him as close as I could and kissing on him and and I wanted to comfort him. I got him out of the breeze. I got him out of that moment. I, I tried to make sure he felt cuddled and he just cuddled up. 
And honestly, do you realize, please don't miss this, that is who God is and wants to be to you. If you're here today and you see God as a God out there and, and, and religion is like, oh, there's this huge God out there, you've missed the whole point. The cross of Christ and the love of God tell you that God wants to be close to you. Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock so you'll open up so he'll come in and love you. And, and if you hold God at arm's distance, that's you doing it. That's not him doing it. He moved heaven and earth. He sent his son to die on the cross. So I might know love that's close. You might know love that's close. And you might know a God of all comfort. I was standing in a hospital a few years ago with my world falling apart. And I mean that. And God came so close in that moment, I thought, oh. And it literally was beautiful. I mean, he was there. And some people wonder, is there a God? I can tell you, I know there is. It's just as much as I know Pam is real, I know he is real. And if you don't know that, you can. You can, find, you can come that close to him. It'd be two years later, I would stand in another hospital and I would be aching inside like I never thought I'd hurt before. My heart's breaking and he came again. Now, he doesn't come and go. He's always there. But I want to tell you what, in those moments of pain, he just draws you close. And even when you do it, even when you do it, because you're saved by the grace of God through faith. You're saved by something that defines you differently. You see, God, I, I don't know how. I, I, well, deep down, I already do. This is such a loving church. I knew you'd embrace Pam when she shared today. I know you'd love her. But I want to tell you, you can know God will always love you too. And you're not defined by that. That what you've done. You're not defined by that what you've done. You're defined by what Jesus Christ did. See, that's the thing you got to grab hold of. And, and that's what it's all about. And when you have those moments and you let him take you through some pain, because truth can be painful, his kindness is there, his grace is there, his love is there, and you never miss out. You never miss out. If you're here today and you need his love, it's for you. If you're here today and you're someone who's done some things and you're going to get honest and you know they were wrong, it's, this love's for you. If you are, are weighed down by something, guilt, an addiction, a behavior that you know is just in, 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 it's, is inflicting pain on others, if you've betrayed people, if you're a Christian and you knew you shouldn't have done something and you did it anyway, he really loves you. And he couldn't love you more than he does. The unfailing, unconditional love of God's for you. The question is, are you gonna open up to it? And if you're wondering, how do I do that? Let me tell you how you do it. You just, you, you say yes. I'll never forget the moment Pam sat crying and said yes. And she said, yeah, I want this. I want the Lord. And she prayed and told him. And oh, man, that was it. That girl that was a shell all of a sudden had life inside of her. She wasn't just back. She was better. And I watched her walk out. Actually, we baptized right away then. And, and, I, and I watched her rush for baptism. And then I saw her come out wet and alive and excited and up. And it's just never changed. I mean, we've had some tough times, but that part's never changed. And uh, it's for you too. What do you need to do is what Pam did, what we all did that day. We just, Jesus said, I knock, will you open? You, you say, come in. And if you're not sure how to do that, in a moment, we're gonna pray. And I'm gonna ask you to do this. 
If you would say yes to him, I'm gonna ask you right where you're sitting to begin the process. There's some other steps. Begin the process by praying a prayer with me and saying yes. Today, if you're a Christian and you need to recommit, I'm gonna ask you to do that. God blessed us this last hour. We had a pastor and his wife visiting on their vacation. And you know what? God touched her and she recommitted her life. It was beautiful. Today, if you need to recommit, just do that with us. It'll be beautiful. So if you want to say yes to God for the first time or you are ready to open it up and say, I need to come back. I need revival. I need freedom. I need healing. Do that. Do that. Let's pray together. Father, I look at my wife and I see in her your love. I see the spirit. I see your calling on her. I see the way you've changed her. And I see today a person I couldn't respect more than I do, but I do know it's you, Lord. I see you and her. And God, I pray that would be true for me. I pray it would be true for others, that we would be so in love with you, people could look in our eyes and see, see you. And let us be so close to you, Lord, that that's who we are. I pray this church family would continue to be that way. There's been some amazing pastors and amazing leaders who've always aimed this church at being a place of grace and love and care. And I pray we'd never veer from it. As a matter of fact, I ask God you enhance it. In a hurting world, let this be a place of healing. And Lord, I want to pray right now that your healing touch would go to anybody today who needs to be free, who needs to have pain taken away, who needs to have guilt removed, who needs, Lord, if there's a person here who's addicted, there's, there's this addiction in their life and it's ruining their life and they know it is, God, I pray you'd set them free. And for the person who's here today, and not only do they know they're addicted to this, they just keep, they keep drawing their family into it. And today they could be set free. And I know it's born out of their pain. So Lord, if they would just open up, it's gonna change. Lord, I pray today for your spirit to start touching anyone right now who needs to either come to you or come back to you. And I ask God that you stir in their heart. I ask right now as their mind is just almost going a million miles a minute that they could slow down and just realize this is for them. And I pray today you'd begin to touch them. I pray for the woman that's here that's dealt with what we've dealt with and it hurts and she'd rather ignore it. But now she needs to open up and say yes to your grace and love. And she's gonna leave here different. I pray here for the the man, Lord, who... He wanted his wife to do this and now they look back. They haven't even talked about it, but today he needs to to find your love too. Father, I pray for the person who's sitting there and, and they're so angry. They get angry and they inflict pain on people around them and they're about to be set free. Lord, I just pray right now for the person who's sitting here and they feel lonely. They came here because they're just so alone, but they don't need to leave that way. So God, I pray for anyone right now who needs to come to you that you start to draw them. I pray they'll pray this prayer. I'm gonna ask that we keep praying and right now I'm gonna lead a prayer where you can say yes to God. I'm gonna ask you right where you're sitting to pray it with me. Right now, do you know him? Because you can. Right now, are you living a life with him? Because you can. And if you want it, just start to say these words, whether for the first time I'm gonna recommit, Pray this. Pray, Lord Jesus, 
I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross because I have sinned. And I need forgiveness because I'm in hurt and pain. And you're going to bring healing because I have fear. You're going to give me freedom. I know, Lord, you died on the cross to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say yes. I want this. And I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit and help me be who you created me to be and help me live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, praise God for you. Praise God for you.